Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. There was a bear there, all black and brown and covered in hair. Um, uh, let's intro the panel for tonight. We have Eon. Hey, this is Eon, and you can find me at Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Whitey. Hi, this is Whitey. You can find me at Yellow Delaney on Tumblr. And Chicky. Hey, this is Chicky. I am Chickron on Tumblr. And we have guesting with us tonight, Gatto. Hi, this is God of Mischief, and you can find me at uh, com. <laughs> and she's at a yeah. demolition derby right now, so <laughs> thank you for podcasting from that locale. <laughs> um, lot. <laughs> Your busy schedule at the derby to podcast. A <laughs> <laughs> um, lot, Lady of Tyrath hyphen post no. on Tumblr. And uh, tonight we're going to be discussing, or today, we're going to be discussing Season 2, Episode 3 of Game of Thrones. Um, we do spoil everything, book, show, everything. And there will probably be rape discussion, just because it's Game of Thrones. Okay, so... We start this episode off with uh, John getting tossed inside Craster's uh, house, and Craster tells the Night's Watch to basically get the fuck out. John is told to wait outside. Mormont wants to know why he did what he did. John tells him about the baby. John realizes Mormont knows, and he tells him he saw something. He saw him take the child. Mormont basically tells him to mind his own business, gives him his sword back, and um, they are leaving at dawn. Um, then the next scene we see Sam. He finds Gilly, gives her his mother's thimble. He asks her to keep it safe until he comes back. And uh, that's it at Craster's Keep. Oh, Sam and Gilly, guys. It was how so sweet, they? wasn't it? They are cute. I love, yeah. how, I love how earnest Sam is. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I love that he and has I this symbol. Thought... <laughs> <laughs> he just, he just carries it around with him. <laughs> it's like his lucky charm. I couldn't help but imagine his father's like outrage, like when he he described that right. his father interrupted him reading to his mother. Well, you know she would sew. It's like Randall fucking Tarly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I bet Randall fucking Tarly's from <laughs> Texas. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> eh, it is what it is. So we'll go on to the next scene. Um, summer vision, basically, where um, in the wolf's vision, um, we see Hodor and Master Maester Lewin, and uh, Maester Lewin says it's times for Bran's lessons, and then we follow mm-hmm. Hodor to where Bran is sleeping. He jumps up on the bed, and, and then it's Bran looking at the wolf, and he had just been in the wolf. So that's that. And then we get Bran telling mm-hmm. Maester Lewin about his dreams. He tells him Nan told him stories about people living inside animals. Lewin dissuades him. Bran argues about all his dreams coming true, like his father dying. Uh, Lewin just kind of tut-tuts it and then puts him back in bed. There is no magic. Dragons are gone. Giants are dead. And the children of the forest forgotten. 
I love Isaac Hempstead right in this scene. He's so good. Yeah. That kid is amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's great, really. I have, no, I think I have notes for every single one of the kids in this episode about how great they are in their scenes. They are all good. Yeah, they are all really good. Yeah. If only they yeah, could have gave him. Acting in this is amazing. Was, oh yeah. Yeah. It's gonna say oh, if only they could have gave him anti-growth hormones <laughs> to keep up young. <laughs> <laughs> But it's tough to pull off the gravitas of something like this. I mean, it's fantasy, and it takes Fuck. real commitment for an actor to pull off something like I'm warging into my wolf, and it really is pretty impressive how well he does with it. It's, he's really good. Yeah. Props. Um, does anyone want to add anything else about this before we get on to the best scene ever? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so um, we get our first intro to Brienne. Um, she's being a complete badass here and kicking the snot out of Loras Tyrell. I love that her mm-hmm. sigil is on her shield and she's um, fighting with the, I think it's a morning star, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Renly and Marjorie are looking on. Uh, Catelyn Stark enters the yard with guards. Uh, Marjorie is cheering her brother on, and then at this point, Brie loses her shield and weapon, then promptly body slams Loras to the dirt. Um, she pulls a dagger on him, and he quickly yields. No one is cheering, um, so I got a feeling that a lot of bets were lost at this fight. <laughs> uh, Renly's the only real chipper one, and Brienne reveals herself. There's gasps and awes as they realize it's a woman. Uh, Renly tells Brienne she can have anything she asks. Um, Brienne wants to be on his king's guard. Mm-hmm. Loris looks uh, quite a bit sullen, <laughs> even gives a small shake of no. Renly grants Brienne her wish. And I can, I don't know, I can safely say this has got to be easily one of the happiest moments in Brienne's life at this point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not that she has many to choose for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love this scene. <laughs> I love that she gets such a, a, you know, a good, a good intro. It's as good yeah. as it is in the books, really. Mm-hmm. I yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. It's probably one of the best intros so far of like new characters to the series. You did, you yeah. liked it more than Tywin or skinning the, the stag? I guess I'm just biased. <laughs> I guess I'm biased, but yeah, I think this is such a badass <laughs> intro. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think it's amazing. I remember, I remember, that's what it is. Yeah. I remember being so excited for this scene because I had read the books, all of them before getting to season two. And like, so Brienne was kind of, um, new to me, but I, I'm glad that I knew of her before she came because I had something to be really excited for for season two. Yeah. And Gwendolyn Christie, um, who I'll, I'll just own it, you know, having been a, prior book reader i was not totally sold on her casting <laughs> she was too pretty to <laughs> too pretty it. too pretty Very pretty yeah you know i mean right from the beginning she kind of tries to win you over i mean she really does do a good job of kind of trying to to um capture the masculine aspects of of the way that mm-hmm. brian presents herself i think she does a really good job with that i will say yeah. she you know she's improved a lot as an actor from this point <laughs> yes yeah, she really has she's she's you know there's she 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 really improves her parents. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it really I think it really I mean just her awkwardness and stiffness. I guess it's her acting at this point, but it really it I works. Think it, it really it, it works, works for her. Yeah, it really yeah. works. Yeah, it does. 
it does. She does seem kind of a little bit mechanical to me in this scene, but yeah, look, it's I a often, little of, you know, just out of acting school, she's kind of over enunciating words and she's stiff. But as Ian was saying, it really does work for the character. And as Chicky was saying, I think Gwen improves in leaps and bounds. And now I think she's terrific. Like, I, oh, I don't she's think she's asked for a better Brian. Oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. often I've wonder, before. God. I often yeah. wonder too if, um, the armor had a lot to do. I know it's like, I know you're talking about stiffness in her acting, but I know the mm. armor was quite uncomfortable and literally stiff oh, sure. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I imagine that would affect how True. you go about your job being uncomfortable mm. all day. So in the books, um, since I'm, I'm reading it, I'm still on book four. Uh, she did, uh, did she beat, I'm not sure if they like mentioned it in the show, but, um, she had beat like a hundred plus men, correct? At this tourney? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually yeah. a melee that she's in. Yeah. Um, and she is, she is the final victor, like it's Highlander or something. She's the last yeah. one standing. Yeah. yeah I don't so, think that they yeah. necessarily mentioned that in the show. In the commentary, um, Brian Cogman does talk about how, again, he wrote this scene to be, on a much grander scale, but of course with the, uh, the melees, yeah, with filming limitations and, and the cost is kind of prohibitive. So they pretty much just limited it to this one last battle. Yeah. So show, like show only watchers, they really have no idea just exactly how no much idea. of a badass as she really is. Yeah, because people are always complaining that the, the show makes her too powerful or too overpowered, but, um, in the book, like she pretty much, I don't know, I yeah. feel like it's warranted really. She's got some yeah. major wins in the book. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. she's a powerhouse, man. Yes, she really she is. is. She could you know, totally they, they beat really the hound. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they really did capture what her biggest strength as a fighter is, and that is just her brute force. She is incredibly yeah. strong, not just for a woman, but for anyone, she's very strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got like a yeah. berserker mode. <laughs> to be <laughs> fair, she was fighting Loris Terrell, who looks, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> slight compared to her. You think you like, could take Loris on? He had absolutely no chance. <laughs> well, he had roses on his armor, and that just kind of that. That, that infuriated her. her. Yes. <laughs> that fueled her rage fire. Yes. Brilliant <laughs> <laughs> oh, smash. Lance just seemed pitch perfect for the first time, so she's now going to quote that at every opportunity. I'm working it in every scene. <laughs> But yeah, didn't they, they mention in the book how, you know, she had nothing against him, but he was wearing roses, so bitch had to go down. <laughs> yep. So, like, what kind of Mortal Kombat move would that be? Oh, God. Uh, it, pretty, it wasn't quite a flawless victory, but... <laughs> Near enough. Near enough. <laughs> okay. I, that's probably the best scene in the whole situation. Um, episode, so we can just quit. Just, just quit now. All right, everybody. Thanks for podcasting. <laughs> okay. Unfortunate. Oh, I mean, we have to move on. Catelyn is introduced. Um, oh wait, there's still more. Goody, goody. Catelyn is introduced as an envoy to Rob. Uh, for Rob, she uh, she's introduced to Marjorie, Renly's new wife. Renly swears he will see the Lannisters answer for Ned's death. Promises Joffrey's head. Brienne corrects Catelyn. She should be addressing Renly as Your Grace. She also tells her she should be kneeling. Renly brushes off uh, her concerns, and Loras asks if Rob has marched against Tywin yet. Catelyn dismisses him. Laura says Rob should be here, not the not hiding behind his mother's skirts. 
And Catelyn says, my son is fighting a war, not playing at one. Renly walks with Catelyn about camp. Um, Brienne's trailing behind. Uh, <laughs> Catelyn calls them all nights of summer. Renly asks Brienne to escort Catelyn to her tent. Brienne asks if he wants her to return. And then he mm-hmm. says, nope, he's got praying to do. <laughs> Brienne leads Brienne. Catelyn. Yeah, crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got some. He's got some books that he wants to show Loris. <laughs> I've got that in quotations. <laughs> Praying, by the way. I did so. <laughs> <laughs> so Brienne leads Catelyn away. Cat tells her she fought well, calls her Lady Brienne. Brienne tells Cat she fought for her king and she will die for him if she must. And then he, she asks her to simply call her Brienne. She's no lady. And that's the end of Brienne's scene. I like that they did work in that great line of Catelyn's, or kind of tried to work in at least part of it, about the Knights of Summer. That's such a beautifully done moment in the books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a standout yeah. for sure. Okay, so you want to go on to Theon and Yara? I mean, I guess, sorry, I just want to say, now is not a bad time to just quickly discuss the portrayal of Renly in the show thus far. Yeah. Um, I've got to say... I wasn't particularly enamoured with the way that Renly was written and, I guess, acted as well in a way. They kind of go hand in hand. There is a little bit of book Renly, I think, that shines through in this scene, kind of his quips during the melee and his reactions to Brienne. They felt fairly in character to me, but, I don't know, for the most part, I feel like Renly has kind of just been portrayed as the gay guy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the books, he's meant to be this insanely charismatic, yeah. charming guy who people flock to, you know, who people want to die for. And I don't really see this in show Renly. And, you know, I think it's partially due to Renly being miscast. As much as I love Gethin, like I think he he seems like a really nice guy in his interviews yeah. and whatnot, I just don't think he's really right for this role. Um, I- and also, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ian. Oh, I was totally agreeing with you. I mean, in the show, he gets, what, the sight of blood makes him queasy. Yeah. Um, his feelings are hurt by Robert. It's just, I mean, he comes right. off yeah. completely whiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. I think is, you know, also in, in, in part to the writing, obviously. They seem to, I don't know, they seem to care more about playing up the fact that Renly's gay than developing as, him as an actual character in his own right to me. It just, yeah, well, and it's just know. out of character for book Renly, because that really isn't, you he know, is Renly's a knight in, in the books. Exactly. You know, he fights in, in, um, at least in the tourney, tourney, um, of the hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, he wouldn't have been afraid of the sight of blood. Um, no, I, a lot of what they've done in the show with both Loris and Renly has been a little bit difficult to swallow. I think they kind of fall back on, um, older Hollywood stereotypes for what gay men are. And mm-hmm. it's like they, they can't accept that these are yeah. individuals who are gay and also a lot of other things. And, you know, being gay is not their defining quality. Right. Um, yeah, they play yeah, it exactly. up a lot. Exactly. Yeah, they That's play exactly it up a lot. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, they're playing up the the gay aspect. And as you say, playing yeah. on those old Hollywood stereotypes of gay men being effeminate and scared of fighting and scared of blood rather than actually developing Renly as a person, as a character in his own right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and, and Renly is is exactly what you said. He's so charismatic. He wins people over. You know, he's right. he's every bit as popular as Robert. People like him. They like hanging out with him. He's, you know, a bro. Like, he's somebody people want to party with. And what was interesting to me is that little beat where he's strolling along with Kat, where he stops, um, and one of the small yeah. folk, I think, he asked how he's doing, 
I think that was a, a nice little moment, but too little too late for me. It didn't really resonate so much with me. And apparently, according to the commentary, that was Geffen's idea to include that. So he's so trying to work it in as best he can. He's trying to, yeah. I think Might he's read the been, books. Yeah. I, I got to say, I agree with you guys, too, about Geffen Anthony, because every time I've seen him interviewed or read anything that he said, he seems really super cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if it was a miscast or just poor writing. It's hard to know exactly what the issue Possibly is. Possibly both, but yeah, it's hard to pinpoint really. Yeah. I'm going to lean more towards writing because I didn't really give him opportunity to have those kind of exchanges with people. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, we didn't actually get a lot of Renly until, uh, we didn't get a lot of him before his death. So they didn't really have a huge amount of time to, to build him as a character. But what time they had, I think they misused. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what are you saying? Renly's going to die? Oh, what? Spoiler! <laughs> Wonder how Brienne will take it. Really well. <laughs> She'll get over it. <laughs> she sure will. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Next scene, uh, we have Theon and Yara. Uh, he's still pissed about her not telling him she was his sister. Uh, Balin comes in. Uh, he wants to take the North while they are undefended. He gives Yara three, uh, 30 ships, gives Theon one ship to take a fishing village. Theon tells Balon the Northerners won't give up the North. He wants to ally with them, to pledge fealty. Balon tells Theon he is weak. Theon loses it, tells his father he gave him away, and then he taunts him about bending the knee to Robert. Balon leaves. Yara tells Theon to make his choice. Their ships sail with, uh, with or without him. Okay, firstly, there's no way I'm going to remember to call her Yara because she's Asha and she's always going to be Asha. Yeah, <laughs> so right. just be forewarned that when I speak about her, it'll be Asha. Um, secondly, I think I loved this scene. I loved all the Theon in this episode. This is really Theon's episode to me, as much as we love Brienne. Um, Elfie Allen was wonderful in this episode. Um, in this particular scene... Um, you, you just look at his physicality in it. He, you see him kind of stooping, um, either consciously or subconsciously, I don't know, but he's making himself lower than his father, where usually you see Theon and he's so cocky and he's sure of himself. So Alfie did a really good job with just the physicality. And then you see his, his facial acting. Oh, it was all wonderful to me. And not just him, but also Patrick Malahard, who plays Balon. I think he, I think that was perfect casting. I think he did a, a really excellent job. And I think he makes him more of a layered character, um, than the Balon of the books. Yeah. yeah. The Balon of the books to me was very one dimensional. You know, I mean, yes, in the scene, you can, you can feel the steel of this man. You know, you, you see the iron in his blood that makes him so hard and, and unforgiving. But then, there's that moment where Theon is yelling to mm. Balon's back and you can actually see some some semblance of regret in his face even. There's some bit of humanity that I feel you don't really get in the books. And I, I enjoyed that little change. I'm glad yeah, you brought that up because I was going to mention that, that beat he took in that scene. Like he kind of just stops for a, a second, a half a second, and then he walks mm. out of the frame. And I was going to ask what you thought that was about. Is it? Is it regret? I, I think, I mean, it's difficult to tell with Balon. I think also there may have been a little, I mean, regret is probably what I'd mostly see, but also a little bit of defeat. There's, there's always been that, 
I guess, humiliation brought about by the failed rebellion that kind of drives some of his actions. And Theon is like this constant reminder to him of what he's lost. You know, he's this old man who's ruling over what is essentially a broken kingdom. He's got a wife who's mentally and physically ill. He's got two dead sons. And then he's got this one son who's more stark than Greyjoy. Um, I'm not saying that I have a huge amount of sympathy for the character, but <laughs> only that the actor is bringing out, I think, layers. He's bringing out the best of, of the character. And it, I don't know, he seems like more of a real man in this scene than this harsh caricature of a man that he's in the books. Damn, yeah, girl. You know, it's, it's one of the strengths of the show. I completely agree with you about Patrick Malhide. That, that when they do cast these, you know, secondary and almost even tertiary parts, they get people who flesh these things out in ways that the book, um, even though Pants. Martin does an amazing job of fleshing out mm-hmm. minor characters. But yeah, they're, they, just because of the amazing casting, and I, I really do think it's just the casting, they get amazing people who, who, Thank you know, you. acknowledge that these are fully, you know, um, evolved people in their own right and then they play them that way and i think it's a, it's it's definitely one of the strengths of the show that you get that that really rich feeling and scenes mm-hmm. between people because the casting's so good I was gonna yeah, say, absolutely damn mighty did a good job on that summary she like, did yeah. she who the, who the <laughs> hell knew i cared about the gray joys you made me actually interested I, i've got to say that <laughs> um, you know it took me a while to i don't want to say warm to theon but you know in the books Theon's conflict is not so overt and you don't really get a lot of it until dance. You don't really get a lot of his his thoughts and his mm. regret. Um, whereas in the show, and this is something else I wanted to talk about later, so I might hold off. You want to pin I it? I think the show is, yeah, all right. Let's pin it for now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go on to Tyrion and Shay then. Um, Shay is restless. She does not like being um, locked up at the Tower of the Hand. Tyrion says he might be able to get her a job in the kitchens, and she's not too thrilled by this idea. Tyrion is trying to keep her safe. Um, Shay refuses to be a kitchen wench. And that's a super short scene. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if you have anything to say about that or if we can just go on to the next. No. It's so funny. I don't know if they had quite decided what they were going to do with Shay at this point. No. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they did. I honestly yeah. don't think they had much of a... Look, yeah. I think they probably had the end point, obviously. Where well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they kind of... They brought her on as the character. They knew what they wanted to do in the very end, but they didn't actually have their plan to get from A to B. I think you're right, because that's how it presents to me. It feels... Because she's reading kind of like, like bookshay here to me. Really. Right, right. That's what, a, I that's what I was feeling. Scene. There's not a huge amount of consistency, I think, yeah. in the way they're presenting her on the show. And I do think, Chiki, that that is a result of them not actually having a, a real idea of what they wanted to do with her between introducing her and her ultimate demise. Maybe that's um, it. I don't know. Yeah. Did you guys ever get the feeling that she really loved Tyrion? I'm new to this, so like I started the sh- watching the show like uh, five months ago, and that's when I got into oh, this right. fandom. Yeah, <laughs> and so I had always wondered, like even now after I've read the the books, well, I'm like close to finishing. I I never really got the feeling that she truly did love Tyrion. I don't oh, know. In if the book? Oh no, 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 she didn't in the no book. No way. That actually yeah, is okay. interesting, but. Because we talked about it, I think, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, was it? How the differences, I guess, between Bookshay and Shoshay and the fact that 
in the show they've actually made an effort to flesh her out more and to make her, I don't know, to, to humanise her more and have her really seem like she's in love with Tyrion, which is kind of a direct contrast to what's happening in the books where she really is just a whore being paid to, to hang out with him. She doesn't really care much for him beyond that. So, yeah, it's interesting to see in the show, as Chicky was saying, it kind of seems like sometimes she reverts back to Bookshay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Shay. I don't love her portrayal at this stage in the show. Um, I don't really love what they did with her overall either, to be honest. So, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I have to agree. It's so yeah. coloured now by by how it ended up. Yeah, it's, it's right, tough to. Exactly. It's really, it's really tough to get into on a rewatch. I'll be honest. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, let's go on to the next scene. It's um dinner with the queen and her remaining children. <laughs> um, we have Sansa. Oh yeah, Sansa's there too. Marcella asks um when Sansa and Joffrey are to wed. She's talking about gowns. Uh, Sansa's kind of ignoring her, and then the queen prompts her to make conversation. Um, she's counting the days until the fighting is done. Tommen cuts to the point. He asks if Joffrey is going to kill Sansa's brother. Cersei asks Tom, um, Tommen if he would like that, and he says, no, I don't think so. Cersei oh, says, even oh. if he does, Sansa will do her duty. And then there's sad cello music. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Salsa. Poor Salsa. <laughs> what the fuck will Salsa do now? <laughs> <laughs> she's in her um, room oh i do you want me to i can finish no, the sans of it it's really short yeah go in her it. room sansa and sh- uh is in there when shay knocks um she walks in introduces herself as her new handmaiden shay isn't off to a good start and has to be told what to do sansa loses her temper a bit on her and uh when Shay asks if she wants her to leave, Sansa kind of takes a moment and then answers that she doesn't, tells her to brush her hair. I love this. I love this moment I for do. Sansa. I mean, we talked a little bit about the kid actors, and I'm assuming you guys were talking about Sophie Turner in this episode, too. And mm-hmm. she is so good here, the way that oh, she, crazy. you know... Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a tough thing to portray, you know, like, that you have more than one thing going on underneath the surface. And here she is, this kid. I mean, how old would she have been then? 13, 12, oh, something I like that. I don't know, but boy, can you see it. You can yeah. see it in her Yeah, she, she looks... The frustration. Oh, I've yeah, you say, can totally tell. I was just going to say that, <laughs> interestingly enough, or not interestingly, actually, not surprisingly, uh, there was a lot of, uh, chatter on the forums about Sansa in the scene and how she was such a bitch to Shay and how dare she. <laughs> and what people don't understand is that this is Sansa trying to regain some, some semblance of control. Yeah. Because she Power. has had everything taken away from her. She's just come from a dinner where she's being told what to say, where she's, you know, essentially had to just try and keep it together. Um, and this is her only outlet, really, where she can just get some of that frustration out. You know, she's not doing it necessarily to be bitchy. You can well, see it's tears glistening in her eyes. Yeah. She really is just really distressed. As you're saying, she's got so much. No, you go ahead, Chicken. It's kind of like that kick the dog syndrome. It right. is. Mm-hmm. I've had a terrible day. Someone's been awful to me, and, and I have not been in a position of power to, you know, fight back or stand up for myself. And so you go home and kick your dog, basically, is is what happens. And, and that's what happens with Shay. It's, okay, she has this so... incredible frustration. And so she vents it on someone she does have the power to vent it on. But you see mm-hmm. Sansa immediately realize she's been a little bit harsh and back off mm-hmm. from it. 
exactly. She's a teenager in a terrible situation. I mean, the the way that people hate Sansa over this stuff is oh, unbelievable. It's ridiculous. I mean, she's really a, she's a type. teeny tiny bit bratty, and nothing compared to people on message boards. So I don't know where they get off. Right, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, if you were, <laughs> when you were a teenager, did you actually ever act out a little bit, act right. a little bit bratty? And this yeah. is a girl. No. You know, she's being held captive. She's in a really distressing situation. She's got no control over her life. And she is exerting a little bit of control where she can find it. That's all she's doing. And as Chicky said, she does look remorseful about it almost immediately. Yeah. I don't know. As a teenager, I was always very nice to my handmaidens. (laughs) (laughs) Except for whenever you were stealing Paul Abdul set tapes. Hey, hey. I'm going to be deleting that. <laughs> I deny everything. <laughs> All right. Uh, so next scene is Tyrion and Pycelle. Um, Pycelle gives Tyrion some Metamucil. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrion asks Pycelle to um, sit and share his plans, tells Pycelle to not tell the queen. He is brokering a marriage to Marcella, um, to the youngest prince of Dorne. And then we kind of get this these cuts and the next he's like kind of immediately going through the same paces with Varys this time but he gives them different information he's planning to marry Marcella to Theon Greyjoy and then we cut to Littlefinger and then he's told that Marcella is to marry Robin Aaron and he offers Littlefinger Heron Hall if he can uh, start brokering the deal. I love the way this scene was shot and edited I thought it was brilliant. It was fun. I liked it too. It yeah, was, wasn't it? Yeah. Pretty effective and pretty straightforward. I mean, it was what it, it was. was. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, showing you that Tyrion's smart, even when dealing with yeah, really smart, smart people. Yeah. yeah. Really smart? What, including Littlefinger? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, people consider him to be brighter than I do, but yeah, you know. Yeah. He's not okay, a I loved the scene. I really did. The only issue I had was when Tyrion was like, remember, don't tell the queen. We quick nudge nudge. That was really subtle there, Tyrion. <laughs> yeah, a little heavy handed. Uh, okay. So that scene's done. Um, Renly is, uh, in the next scene and he is praying hard, guys. So very hard yep. for Floris. <laughs> He's very pious. Uh, he opens up Loris's shirt to reveal the bruises Brienne has left behind. Um, Loris isn't happy he made her a member of the Rainbow Guard. Renly says Brienne is a very capable warrior and devoted to him. Renly then calls Loris jealous. And he says, of Brienne the beauty, Loris stops Renly from uh, unlacing his pants. There is another Tyrell he needs to attend to. Um, Marjorie is into this marriage two weeks and she's still a virgin. Renly isn't buying Marjorie is a virgin. Loris pretty much <laughs> confirms she isn't and then offers to bring his sister to Renly. And uh, when we see Loris leaves at this point and we see Renly getting drizzonk and then we have Marjorie enter. She takes off her gown, they kiss. Renly's so not into it. She offers to bring Loris in at this point. Or she can bend over and pretend she's her brother. <laughs> this is this not like the perfect marriage for these three people? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, this this scene, this is a scene that really highlights how political marriages are in this world, and you know, back in medieval times, I guess. You know, we got Marge; she's doing what needs to be done, and 
I love how earnest she is about it as well. Like she's just really straightforward, you know. Oh well, I'll bring my brother in. He can be your fluffer, or you know, I can just flip over <laughs> and he can pretend. <laughs> and she's deadly serious about it. Like she's just really earnest. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see how show Marge is compared to book Marge because obviously we don't have Marge as a, a POV character mm. in the books, and she's also much younger. I think what is she like sixteen or? Yes, she's 16, she's maybe up. even at this point. Yeah, I think she's yeah. sixteen by the time she marries Joffrey. You know, so show Marge is. Oh, go ahead, Lot. Oh, I was going to say, what I found really interesting was the little bit where Renly, you know, kind of alludes that he doesn't believe Marjorie is a virgin, and then Loras kind of basically confirms it. Because, like, oh, in the God, books... Oh, you're not about to suggest incest, are you? No, I'm <laughs> not about to suggest incest, so you can you calm down. <laughs> I know how much yeah. you love incest. It's <laughs> <laughs> cheeky. <laughs> I don't love incest. I just said I understood Jamie and Cersei. That's not the same thing. <laughs> anyway, what I was saying is, in the books we have Cersei, who's like absolutely convinced Marjorie isn't a virgin, but we never really, as far as I understand, um, we never get that reveal, like if she is or isn't. We just well, have we Cersei's do. paranoia. Do we? What did I miss? Kind of. I mean, we have have confirmation from the High Septon that he's had Septas examine Marjorie and that she isn't a virgin. But, of course, as we all know... um, Well, yeah, it's really... I mean, and I I don't even mean, as we all know medically, that it's really difficult to determine something like hymen and all that sort of stuff. But um, even in world, it's acknowledged that many women, yes, who ride horses don't don't have a quote-unquote maiden head and stuff. So... Um, certainly as part of her trial, it's featuring that she isn't a virgin, but they, you know, I don't think they actually have a credible witness who has slept with her apart from the ones that Cersei's paid. So, um, it, it's a little, it's a little bit ambiguous, but yes, it, it is kind of canon that she isn't a virgin. So, I mean, I think that's what they're jumping off. I think they pulled a lot of things out of dance. They would have just read dance when they did this season, mm-hmm. when they wrote it. And so I think they did pull that out and run with it. And, I mean, I get it that, you know, they wanted to cast someone interesting for Marjorie, somebody who could go toe to toe with Cersei eventually, and we see it paying off. I mean, I totally get what they were doing. I think it, you know, I think it works much better on the show. Yeah. Marjorie's, Marjorie's kind of an unknown, really, until, mm-hmm. like, what, Feast? Yeah. They really don't know is. much about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really beefed her up for the show, like, extremely. Of any character yeah. they gave, well, her and Braun, yeah. maybe. But, yeah, yeah. even and her you know, more I, so I, than Braun. I feel like I'm always talking out half yet because in the show, but Natalie Dorman really does a great job. Oh, as her. God. So I'm glad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She knows out the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do yeah, whatever it nice. takes to get Natalie Dormer and let her do whatever <laughs> yeah. she wants yeah. with the part. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Sorry, but it's true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she oh, But um, I have to say, you know um, what I will say definitely about Gavin Anthony is when he is um, playing against Loris Tyrell here, he and Finn Jones have such great chemistry. I think they did oh, cast do. them for their chemistry. Um, and that yeah. is one thing that I really appreciate. I'm a big Loras Renly shipper. I don't know if you guys picked up on it. Yeah, no, I, I do I, appreciate I that. I am too. And I know that Chicky, you and I both have issues with the way that they, they portray Loras, the Loras Renly relationship in the show and both characters. But yeah, um, I'm a big shipper as well. And it's interesting because I, I don't know if it was in the commentary, but I've, I've heard somewhere that, um, Gethin and, and Finn Jones, who plays Loras, uh, were very good friends at this point as well. So I think that does help with their chemistry as well, because they feel, you know, yeah, really great. safe playing off each other. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's go on to the next scene. Um, we have Cersei. She's raging at Tyrion. 
She's heard the rumors of Marcella being shipped off to Dorne. Damn it, Pycelle. We know it's Pycelle. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tyrion tells her they need the support of the Dornish. Um, Cersei threatens him with pretty much death at this point. He tells her it's done. Marcella isn't safe in King's Landing. Should it fall? And uh, he says, you know, they're going to mount her head next to yours. Uh, Cersei screams at him to get out, and then she pushes him down. And this is probably mm-hmm. one of the only times I'm ever going to defend Cersei here, because, man, you don't, yeah, exactly. you don't fuck with people's kids like that. I can get yeah. rage. Oh, God. Okay. I wasn't even going to say it. Chiquita, we're talking about this yesterday. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so, like, oh, damn it. Um, look, I, this for me is more softening of Cersei's character, more portraying of her as genuinely loving and caring about her children. And this is not Book Cersei. Book Cersei only cares about her kids so far as it affects her. And there's multiple uh, instances in the books of this. Um, I've pulled out a couple. We've got when, when, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, I'm prepared. <laughs> because it, look, the softening of Cersei in this show really bothers me. Um, when Marcella is injured, she cares about two things. She cares about the fact that Marcella will no longer be beautiful. And she also essentially takes it, uh, Marcella's maiming as an insult against Cersei herself. How dare they do this to me? She's not at all concerned about Marcella's <laughs> In Feast, she notices that Tolman is looking a little thin. She worries that he might be ill. Um, it's not because she's concerned for his health. She's concerned that Marcella's not around to take Tommen's place should he die. And, you know, there goes her her power. So there we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. That yeah, uh, Cersei is not... Yeah, there's no question. It's a complete departure from Book Cersei. I mean, Book Cersei is pissed about this, but she's angry because she's Queen Regent, and this should be up to her. And yeah. You know, she is annoyed about Marcella being sent away, but you know, it's because she wants to, <laughs> she wants to decide this shit. Right. Um, <laughs> she wants to yeah. say. Yeah, I mean, you know, she does love her kids, but she loves them in relation to herself, and it's not the same thing as loving them and caring about them as their own people. It's just um, classic narcissism. It is. Yeah, era, is this is era. another direction that the show has gone in. And I mean, you know, they've stuck with it. I'll, I'll give them this. They stuck with it. They stuck with like this, this characterization of Cersei. Sure um, and I hope that they do stick with it to the end. I hope it's not a Shay situation where they then drop it at the end and have have book stuff go on. I hope they stick with it um, and yeah. do justice to what Lena Headey has or Hetty has been built up. Because I mean, it's it's you know, I mean, she's done a great job and it's been consistent. And you know, it's just completely different than book Cersei. Yeah. I still yeah. think Tyrion shouldn't have done it. <laughs> I think Tyrion had his reasons. I mean, you know, the thing is, she's she's like the daughter of a, a king. She's going to be married off. That's just the reality of the world that they're in. I yeah, mean, true. you know, like Kama's always saying, it is a little shocking that a lot of these people weren't already betrothed. Um, yeah. And, you know, what Tyrion is doing, you know, we know from his POV, he does think it's safest to get Marcella out of King's Landing. It is right, not a safe place to be. And yeah, so, you know, it's, it's really not, it's really not intended to harm, uh, Marcella. And he makes a decent match for her. I mean, it's a kid who's really close to her own age. I mean, what more can you ask for in this world? Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously the only issue is the Martell's significant enmity towards the Lannisters, but, you right. know, she's going to be in danger wherever she goes. So it's not entirely a terrible match. Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> so, um, well, it's see- like I'm not- I'm only 0.5 convinced about that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little more. 
Be we, honest. Know, we know that you would care about your daughter being married off. That's <laughs> there's no question. <laughs> She's not a standard mother, so yeah. see, that's just yeah. the point. I'd be pissed if my brother betrothed my daughter to, to my enemies. Yeah, I'd be a bit pissed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I've got so many enemies. Who would it be? Yeah, I'd be pushing him to the floor too. <laughs> so the next scene we have Theon, and uh, this is probably I really like this scene a lot. He's holding the letter to Rob. And uh, it's a warning that Balon is rejecting his offer and instead plans to attack the North. He burns the letter, and uh, it's apparent Theon's going to side with his daddy. The next That's scene is... It's the same, though. It's just the look of it. A really like, not cool. even the content of it. Yeah, you've got Theon alone in the dark, and there's that fire happening yeah. all around him, and he's it's almost destroying, like a... I guess. I, I, normally hate, I normally hate this sort of contrived thing, you know, where it's like they're intentionally trying to make you walk away with a certain impression of something, but it, for some reason, really worked here. You yeah, know, it's, it's, yeah, it was really cool. It almost looked like a Caravaggio painting or something. Like it yeah. looked like a Renaissance it's, painting, it the lighting, really everything. Right, really dude. Beautiful, yeah. And uh, the next scene is his baptism of sorts. Uh, he's, it's a ceremony mm. for the drowned god, and uh, that's it. Yeah, so is, there. is is it though? Because yeah. I looked it up because I was like, "Oh, is that Aaron?" He's not. He's on the Got Wiki, which we know isn't always entirely correct. Mm. But it says that Aaron is a, a unseen character in the show thus far, and someone suggested I think it was just some one of the priests. But yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was Aaron as well. I don't know. Let's just but, let's just pretend it's Aaron because this is the yeah. only shot he's going to get. Only shot we're ever going to see. Exactly. <laughs> we're never going to see him. Again. <laughs> but, you know, this is, uh, oh, God, I just, I, I could talk forever about Theon in this episode. I think they did such a great job. And you know what's interesting? One thing that the show, this one thing the show has over the books is faces, you know, being able to see people's faces. And in this scene, you just see this multitude of expression play out on Theon's face as, I guess the stain of the Starks is washed off him. You know, you see he looks really uncertain, but he's also determined. There's a, a little bit of desperation. And then you see this kind of relief when the water is poured over his head and he's, I guess, once again ironborn. And then, I don't know, I thought I said a little bit of guilt as well at the end over, you know, him betraying Rob. And... Elfie does such an incredible job in humanizing Theon. Not just Elfie, obviously really the right. Yeah, yeah, and it's well, that's that's kind of what I was talking about when I was saying I think fresh off dance, they, you know, I talked about this a little bit in season one that I kind of suspect they weren't. Well, they wouldn't have maybe known when they were writing season one exactly what was going to happen with the brief chapters and everything in dance, but you know, they really seem to have embraced Theon's story um and gone full bore i mean you know that this isn't something from the books um this isn't something that you see oh. i mean it um, happens in books but it's a very brief scene. I yeah just a very brief scene where uh theon lands and he's basically just sprinkled with water by Aaron before he goes off to find his dad like he hasn't even talked to balon or or anything yet so it's it's a, in a much mean, different class. sorry i should have i should have backed up Everything about like the letter to Rob and everything. This isn't something oh, that you yeah, see. You don't get to see the yeah. struggle that that Theon has. This is something that they did on the show, and um, you know they they've shown all of Theon's story in the show. A lot of stuff that you don't really see until later, or don't really hear him even think about it until later. And 
Um, it is one of their great successes where they have Why? kind of fleshed something out. And I think they, they knew, I think they spotted in Alfie Allen from season one that he had the ability to do this and they just, they embraced the Theon story and dance and just went God. full bore with it. And it is great. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say I loved all the torture porn of, of season three, but I love what no. they've done with Theon on the show. I think it's been great. I absolutely agree with you. As with a lot of things, uh, Theon's struggle has been much more explicit much earlier on in the show. Which I appreciate because some book readers seem to struggle with Theon's character and his story. Some can't seem to sympathise with his character who, to me, invites so much sympathy. And I feel like a lot of Theon hatred is is quite misguided or at least overblown. And I feel like the show, and as you were saying, Elfie's acting, has in some ways presented Theon's plight in a way that is perhaps more relatable or understandable to his detractors. Um and yeah, I mean, from a literary perspective, Theon's story is one of my absolute favourites. He's he's got this yeah. whole identity arc thing going on, and it's it's just so beautifully crafted. You know, yeah. his his backstory being abandoned as he sees it, his conflict about family and and belonging, and most of all, his choices. You know, he makes some yeah. terrible, terrible choices, and. Oh God, do we see that play out in terrible ways as well later? Mm-hmm. And it, it just makes for such a compelling and such a tragic story. I, yeah, I just, yeah. I don't understand people that can't you can, you to can Theon. totally tell this is a podcast full of Jamie lovers that we also love Theon because right. <laughs> you yeah. can love a character like yeah. Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why? It's interesting to me how some people who love Jamie seem to hate Theon because why is one character who has done terrible things worthy of redemption like Jamie and, and another one not worthy of the same? Because one's really pretty. No, sorry. Right. <laughs> That's pretty much <laughs> it. No. <laughs> Anyway, I love Theon. Such a tragic character, and yeah, I'm right there with y'all. We got a lot to go through yet, so let's move on to Tyrion's next scene. Um, He's accosted by Littlefinger, who is super pissed that um, he used him in his ruse with uh, Marcella. Tyrion tempts Littlefinger with his next deception. He wants Jaime released, and he uses Littlefinger's desire to see Catelyn again as bait. Bronn interrupts. He's found Pycelle. And then the next Uh-oh. scene is Tyrion and Bronn breaking in on Pycelle's fun. He's with a young um, whore, I'm assuming. Tyrion accuses him of uh, sharing information with the queen. Immediately, Pycelle throws Varys under the bus. Tyrion tells, I think this is, is this Shaga still? Yes. I think it's Timmet. Timmet? No, well, does, no is that, is isn't Shaga? Shaga the one who talks about goats, though? Oh, maybe it is. Anyway, I am Shaga, but I didn't know if I was right. Anyway, he tells him to cut off the man, his manhood, and feed it to the goats. <laughs> and then the response: There are no goats, half bad. We'll make, make do. <laughs> I love that too. Tyrion asks how long Pycelle has been spying for Cersei. He uh, then says he doesn't like his beard. Bronn chops off Pycelle's beard. Tyrion no, interrogates. His mojo is. <laughs> is that like it was his real beard was it not i was wondering watch is that the dude's real beard oh, i have no idea it Tell looks so know. real uh-huh. it looks so real uh-huh. anyway uh Tyrion and Tyrion. he's saying julian glava lost his mojo that time <laughs> <laughs> yep Tyrion interrogates him about John Aaron accusing pycelle of poisoning or at least not making sure John Aaron didn't die uh, Pycelle blubbers Lannister, how he's always served the Lannisters. Tyrion orders him to the Black Cells. And the scene ends with Tyrion leaving the whore to coins. 
That was a nice little touch, yeah. I thought, him giving the whore a gold yeah. coin. Do you think she's little mm-hmm. fingers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. She is little fingers. I, I think we know that. Isn't I, she the one from the yeah. sex scene with Roz earlier in the season? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Or the scene yeah. in the brothel with Roz, yeah. I think. Yeah. You're yeah. right. It is her. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. If we could skip back a little bit to Littlefinger, sure. I just really thought it was funny how he's throwing this hissy fit about Tyrion deceiving him whenever he's like, he's the big schemer. You know, totally he, does. he's getting all pissy about it. <laughs> Only I may deceive. Only I may play people. Yes. Yes. And uh he kind of like, it's funny how he reels them back in. Like he's so pissed off, but then when he starts throwing her own cat, and he little fingers back on board. <laughs> right. <laughs> he played him so well. Right. <laughs> okay. So the next scene is Varys and Tyrion. We learn Varys is uh, arranged Shay to be the... Um, Sansa's services are handmaiden. Varys also congratulates him on putting Pycelle in the black cell. Um, we get a riddle from Varys about power and the illusion of power. So, that's also a very short scene. I don't know if you had anything to say. That's another cool thing from the book. I'm glad that they kind of worked in. They actually even made it a bigger deal, I think. They did, yeah. They actually mentioned in the commentary that this scene was added in solely to get the riddle from the books into the show. Wow. So I'm glad that did. Yeah, I'm oh, glad cool. that did. I mean, mm-hmm. any time that Tyrion and Varys are on screen together, I love, so. Right? No complaints uh, here. Talk about your chemistry. Right. I ship it. Peter and Conley, I ship it. So you're looking forward to season five, I'm guessing. Right. <laughs> 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 Gonna have a lot oh. of Varys by the Pro looks TV. of it. If it, was, if it was just Tyrion and Varys, then yes. <laughs> It might, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, Arya is held up in a tower with the Night's Watch and the other boys. Yorin tells her she should be sleeping. She can't sleep, can't stop thinking about her father and his execution. Yorin tells Arya about his brother and how he was killed by a nice-looking boy named Willem. Um, he'd go to bed every night saying Willem's name. When Willem returned, Yorin killed him, and that's how he got to the wall. We hear a horn sound. Yorin wakes up all the boys. Yorin tells Arya and Gendry, if things go wrong, run north. Um, there are Lannister soldiers along with uh, city guards, and they're looking for the bastard Gendry. Yorin refuses. He's uh, dr- drastically outnumbered, but he manages to take a few down before he's himself is skewered. Um, Gendry, Arya, and the other boys bolt. The three men in the cage yell at Arya to free them. She does, and Gendry is captured. Arya is knocked to the ground by Polliver. Um, Needle is taken from her. Lamy is injured. He can't walk, asks to be carried. Polliver stabs him through the neck instead. Uh, is this the mountain? No, it's Amory Lorch. Amory Lorch. Amory Lorich looking for a boy named Gendry. Arya tells him they already got him. Looks at Lamy, who is lying next to a bull's helm. And that's the end. Can we just mention the fact that that was the greatest rallying cry ever? There's men out there that are going to fuck your corpses. <laughs> <laughs> if that doesn't get you moving, <laughs> I love Yorin. I love Yorin oh, so much God. in the books. He tries so hard to save these kids and the men that he's trying to take um, to the wall. And he's 
he's so forlorn that he has led them into this, you know, war-torn countryside and he can't figure out how to save them. Um, and it, he's one of the more beautiful, like, minor characters in the books. And mm-hmm. I love that they really gave him his moment here, his hero moment. And um, Yeah, he's a goddamn hero. And he goes out like a goddamn hero. I yeah, he does. Crossbow through the chest and still taking dudes down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Even I, his I corpse was still kind of standing, kneeling. <laughs> they killed him and he was still standing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what a badass he is. Okay, so that's the end. Um, but we had like a lot of things we wanted to cover. Um, one of the things that came out recently was the season five promo. It was that thing where it's like three days and three shooting oh, locations. Oh, a day in the life. A day yeah. in the fucking life of Game a very boring day in the life. Probably the worst day in the life. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they have worse. I don't know. <laughs> We're at the, the bitch portion of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Listen to podcast. Last year they did one of these like specials. It was like a twenty minute special, and it it was like full of scenes for the next season. So I think we were all anticipating that again this year. And that is not what we got. Mm-hmm. There were hardly any spoilers or any information. Got some Danny. Thing. I mean, that was good. There was yeah, some Danny. We got com. Oh no, I was just gonna say they're keeping a lot of what's uh, the new season, you know, at, like under wraps. I feel like they don't want to show us like anything really. <laughs> yeah, they really are keeping it under wraps, and um, uh, we got confirmation of Hard Home in this, which we kind of knew, but they actually are calling it Hard Home, which is interesting yes. to hear. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Was there anything else? They mentioned Illyrios apparently in it, but we pretty much knew that. We knew they were shooting Illyrios Mance. So there really wasn't, there was really nothing in this. The bastards, no, they was, gave us nothing. It was a it bit was of a letdown. I will say I did enjoy the scenes in Spain where they got to show the palace that they shut down to turn into oh, yeah, water gardens. Oh, the oh, water gardens. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like that mm. bit. Like just imagining having to shut down a historical site like that so they can shoot Game of Thrones in there. Um, I did like the little, it was almost like a, not like a blooper, but it was Lena and uh, the dude that plays Marin Chan. (laughs) That little bit where she's upset that she had to walk by poor people and he's like, we're, we're, we're on strike. Yeah, that was funny. But yeah, as for like revealing anything, there's like nothing really to dissect. It was kind yeah. of a letdown. And it's I feel like we even already saw, yeah, like in the yeah. trailer, I feel briefly. Yeah, yeah they yeah. actually repeated stuff we've already seen, and I feel like even for a behind-the-scenes documentary, it was a little bit of a letdown. But you know, what are you gonna do? Hopefully, we'll get yeah. another trailer one of these days. But it'll probably be like the last one and just basically not reveal anything. That trailer was pretty much just flashes. I know you guys talked about it the other day, but it was just like here's point three seconds of this and that and the other thing. I know. <laughs> Well, if like you God heard my, said, they're just keeping it close to the chest this year. Yeah, if you yeah, heard my, all those changes. So <laughs> that's why I feel like they're not showing us. They don't want to like give it away because they know we're it's too smart this time. <laughs> we're too yeah, smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Uh, if you heard my summary of that, it was like literally a sentence, a sentence, a sentence, a sentence, because it was so quick. Yeah, <laughs> it's fast. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting that's been floating about is this letter that George R. R. Martin sent, um, an early outline for the Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire, which he intended oh, yeah. as a trilogy in the beginning. So there's a few things that I thought were kind of <laughs> funny. Um, st- 
uh, it's a Stark versus Lannister thing, and then Daenerys was always intended to be across the sea, and she would join in on the third book. <laughs> and yeah. uh, the greater threat yeah. was being ignored. It's the others who are icy demons with an army of undead. So Right, yeah, I think, as you say, it was meant to be a trilogy, so it, it was meant to be Game of Thrones, where the main focus was the battle between the Starks and the Lannisters, and then the next book was meant, meant to be A Dance with Dragons, which is the whole dothraki Danny invasion of Westeros, and then the final book was meant to be Winds of Winter, which is where the others come into play, and mm-hmm. and they want to come down and extinguish, extinguish all life, so it's, it's the others versus the men of the Night's Watch, Basically, and also... Basically what we learned. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. I was just going to say the the third book was also meant to tie up any loose ends from the previous two. But basically what we learned is that the first book was supposed to encompass what it's taken him five books to get Mm -hmm. through. (laughs) I've got to say, George so isn't going to finish this series because what I gleaned from this letter is that if George knows exactly where the book is going, he loses all interest in writing it. And also, it seems like we're still in early act two of this series. <laughs> we're never going to get to the end. Uh, I think, I think partly, I think he has, he does understand that he's, he's got to truncate things a bit. So I do assume it's not going to be long forward. after Danny gets to Westeros. I think that's the, the purpose that Aegon is serving is that he's Obviously. clearing things out for Danny to make it easier. I think Aegon's a much later addition, but. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like, he, obviously he's changed some things. This isn't, this isn't exactly a blueprint, but there are definitely some, like, little nuggets in this, in this yeah, letter. Like, especially yeah. the part where he says the thing about the five main characters yes. who are going to survive. Uh, I, have, I have that what? written down. So, yeah. he intended yeah, five sorry. central characters and they're to be outlined as survivors to, and, and he intends them to live through all three books. And these are Tyrion, Daenerys, Arya, Bran, Jon Snow. I mean, I guess this shouldn't be a surprise. None of that is a surprise to me, to be honest. Yeah, it, it's not a surprise. Um, we knew it. I mean, as much as we might hope things, like, certain people will die. Right. right. I mean, I think we've come to grips with the fact that Jake's probably not going to make it to the end of the series. <laughs> but it's like, it's not surprising that, that, that he, he's planning to keep these five characters to the end, but it, it you know, I mean, I, I consider this to con- still be canon. I mean, I think, I think, you know, as soon as I heard it, I was like, yeah, no, he's going to keep them all going until the end oh, yeah. of a dream of spring. I'm not saying none of them will die before the very end of the series, but clearly they're going most of the way. But John's already know. dead, guys. <laughs> you think he's dead, do you? No, he's no, dead. I don't. <laughs> uh, just being a little shit. Uh, okay. <laughs> talk about the fact that Jamie in this outline is a completely different character. Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> okay, so uh, you want to hear my theory? I immediately like emailed Guile after I read this thing. And I was like, it reads to me like the original Jamie was actually Cersei and Jamie combined. Yep. And I swear to God, the whole twin, we are two souls in one body, is because he split apart one character into two people. I swear that has to be where it came no, from. No, I agree. I agree with you. I've got a similar that note. That makes I think a lot of sense. Looks like he's decided to split the character of Jamie into two, giving Cersei his less admirable attributes. So... Because in this outline, Jamie is, he's still a warrior, but he is power hungry. He is he's pure villain. He is lusting for power. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get it. They actually mentioned that he, um, Kills. goes and murders everyone ahead of him in the line of succession to the Iron Throne <laughs> so he can take the Iron Throne. Jamie on the Iron Throne. I know, which is hilarious <laughs> because our Jamie, 
has a notorious disinterest in political leadership. We all know this. So Jimmy literally sat on the Iron Throne and could have taken the damn thing and just won it. You know, that kind of makes sense, though, from the the choice of name, because Jamie means to supplant. Does it? I have no idea. Yeah. So (laughs) We're all, like, stopped at our tracks. (laughs) I feel like in the outline, I feel like Tyrion was, like, Tyrion and Tywin combined. I don't feel like he was just Tyrion. No, Tyrion seems a bit darker. Was that, um, was Jamie initially a sort of a amalgam of, of Cersei and Joffrey? Was, were Jamie, Joffrey and Tyrion meant to be brothers? Because in this outline, Joffrey goes to battle, Joffrey gets maimed, and Jamie is the sociopathic killer who lost for power. So I can see, that's what I thought too. I can see Cersei in him, but I can also see Joffrey. So, Maybe, yeah, yeah, really Joffrey evolved from here too. Yeah. It seems like Joffrey was kind of like the first, the the first boss that they had to kill in the first book or something, and then Jamie <laughs> yeah, was the big right. bad at the end. It's definitely for this letter. It reads like the Starks were really kind of well flushed out in his mind, but then the Lannisters, yeah, he hadn't had a grip on them yet. Okay, Some but of the more interesting things. Outside. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Woody. Also in this outline, the Starks seem really into each other because we've got Arya, Arya, John, and Tyrion love triangle. Oh what did I <laughs> fucking tell you? Stark says, Stark says, Stark says. <laughs> Who's right? Who's right? What? <laughs> you said Lyanna and Ned. That's not the same. Hey, that's, <laughs> that is still not off the table. I'm saying this goes back. <laughs> So what Salwatt is saying is that John and Arya put feelings for each other. They kind of have this forbidden thing happening where, oh, no, we can't because we're related. And then, interestingly enough, they find out who's John. They find out about John's true parentage, and then they feel free to <laughs> let their passion go. So, you know, this, I guess, would provide further evidence that Ned is not John's father. Um to me, at least. I mean, that's not really something that... No, she likes him before they realize that, because there's a line where he's like, she's horrified by her feelings for him. Yes, yeah. and then, yeah. Yeah. But afterwards, <laughs> Oh, and then the whole... <laughs> Did you guys notice that Hot Uncle Benjen gets to be Lord Commander? Lord he's Hot Uncle Benjen Lord Commander. <laughs> and then there's the whole um, love triangle between John, Tyrion, and Arya. Yeah. Right. That is so freaking weird. Tyrion falling in love with Arya, but his feelings aren't reciprocated by Arya, apparently. So it's an unrequited thing on Tyrion. Oh, is she meant to be older in this outline? Tyrion or Arya? No, 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 Arya. What I feel like from this outline is that he was going to have a lot more time pass. I think not just the five-year gap that he originally intended. I mean, he kind of mentioned something about following these characters throughout their lifetime. So I really think he meant a lot of time to pass over this series. And then just utterly it? failed when he started actually writing it. <laughs> Hardly any time. In this out- I don't really recall in the outline if Tyrion's mentioned to be a dwarf in this outline either. No, no, they don't mention it. He goes into battle. He seems like a, a warrior, so I don't think he is meant to be a, a dwarf. Yeah, and you'd think it would be something you'd mention if you were trying to sell your script. Right. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that it wasn't in there. Yeah. Well, he's always, claimed to, he's always claimed to be a gardener type writer, right? Like he plants the seeds and sees where things right. grow. He does like an outline. 
Yeah, yeah. He says in this he only has 13 chapters. He's just sending out a partial, um, I think to, I think this is to his, his agent at the time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a, you know, something for his agent to kind of shop and try to find him a publisher for. Um, so, you know, he only had a few chapters written. 13, I think he said was, was what, what he was including. So, I mean, you know, this is just the kernel of the idea for Song of Ice and Fire, I would say. What? What else was interesting to me, and I just read this before podcast, so I'm not entirely sure I'm a bit confused, but what does the Lannister family tree look like in this outline that Jamie could actually yeah. take the Iron Throne by murdering people? Like, where is oh, he in the line of succession? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is the Lannister family the royal family in this outline? Does Cersei have her own claim to the throne as well as Robert? Or it sounds like I don't think Cersei exists at this point. Who? I think she would have been mentioned right? if she did. Well, she yeah, clearly well, exists because Joffrey is Jamie and Tyrion's nephew. So clearly, clear, and and they they start out with Robert Baratheon on the throne. Joffrey is Joffrey Baratheon. Yeah. So, I think that Cersei does exist. She's just a non-entity in this oh, original no. version. Was is it Robert Baratheon? Do they even mention Baratheon? Yeah, I mean, I was Robert meant to be a really? I think so. I feel like I it. Don't Am I wrong? Is it Joffrey? It is Joffrey Baratheon. I think. I don't know, I'd have to go back and reread it. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's just interesting to me that Jamie could actually be in the line of succession. It probably so just implies... kind of has to murder some people to get... It just get implies that there must be some intermarriage of the Baratheons and Lannisters maybe before, yeah. a generation or so before would would put could put him in line if the Baratheons... Yeah, there has to, they have to have their own claim. I because, think. yeah, the Targaryens were supplanted by Robert. It sounds like the same right. kind of initial setup. Um, yeah, it's interesting. There's some differences with Daenerys, too. Like, she... Right. Um, is angry at Drogo for killing, killing Viserys in this yeah. version. Um, mm. yeah, there's, there's some, and she, she kills Drogo, does. like actively yep. kills him, not just like mercy kills yeah. him. Like, and then right. flees. And then she says she, she bides her time because she's really resentful of Drogo for killing Viserys yeah. and then she murders him. And then, yeah, sorry, Lot, were you going to say she then flees? Oh, you know, she flees the and then blood. finds dragon eggs in a cave or something, I think he had written. Yeah. You know what? I think that was actually smart for George to change where she gets the dragon eggs. Because even this outline, it sort of seems like, you know, she's running from the blood riders and, oh, she just happens to stumble upon the one thing that will help her get out of this situation. It seems like this really big coincidence. So to yeah. change it from finding the dragon eggs there to actually being given them as a wedding present at a time where, you know, she doesn't really need them necessarily. I thought that was a smart move by George. Yeah, what else was in this damn thing? There's some crazy shit in here. I oh, mean, the like, Sansa thing, I thought. The Sansa thing right. I thought was interesting. Yeah. Sansa um, actually chooses the Lannisters over her own family. She chooses you know, Joffrey and her child. Um, she's actually married to Joffrey and they have a child. That's different, too. Yeah, yeah, she has his heir. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I see shades of that in the Sansa in the books. She she already has kind of inadvertently chosen Joffrey at one point over her family with the the direwolf situation, and also when she tells Cersei about Ned's plans to flee the city. I mean, it's more inadvertent. It's not a conscious or a deliberate choice to go against yeah. her family. Well, the I way it is, this is, a, this is a common misconception about Sansa. I mean, she's written initially to be the black sheep of the Stark family. I think people kind of miss this. But, you know, she's meant to be the outsider Stark. That is how mm-hmm. she's initially written. And, and that is her mm-hmm. story, basically. You know, she's the one who loses her wolf. That's, that's not a, that's not just, you know, a coincidental thing that happens that has meaning oh, in her story. Yeah, it's a metaphor. So, you know, I, it, it fits. It actually does fit with what he does with Sansa. Yeah, think, it does. I think he, yeah. you know, changed it a bit and, and evolved it from here. But this is, you know, she does regret it and does immediately. <laughs> 
Yes. Change things. She sure does. She sure well, does. Well, it does say yeah, to in the outline she rues her decision. Well, yeah. and then the big differences about um, the crazy thing is Bran and Arya go north of the wall with with Cat after yeah. the Night's Watch won't take them in after John and Benjen reject them. They have to go north of the wall, and they're like with the wildlings, and Catelyn gets killed by the others. She does. Yeah, so that was Catelyn was Jojen at this point. <laughs> no, no, she was killed by the others, not creepy skeletons. <laughs> awesome skeletons. Yeah. Good news is Ned always <laughs> dies, guys. Ned died in every verse. Yeah, Ned is stupid in every verse. Sure. <laughs> it, it is interesting that George talks about the key players that we mentioned before. You know, the the main characters still seem to be the same. We've got Tyrion, Bran, Arya, uh, Danny, and, and John. Um, and if you look at the, cause this is covering the stuff just from Game of Thrones. So if you look at the point of view characters from a Game of Thrones, they are those five characters along with Ned, Catelyn and Sansa. So Ned's dead, Catelyn's dead, Sansa, question mark. I think Undead. Sansa's gonna make it, but. She's gonna make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. When Rob, we forgot about Rob. Rob dies in battle in this version. But he Rob does. always was intended to die as well. And he maims uh, Joffrey. Joffrey gets maimed. <laughs> Good for him. I'm going so bloodthirsty. Good for you, Rob. <laughs> Come on, we all want Joffrey to get maimed. Let's face it. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at it now too. You were right, YD. Uh, or sorry, Chicky. They do call him Joffrey Baratheon. Oh, Baratheon. Okay. Yeah. So there's also this redacted paragraph at the end of this letter as though the the spoiler and we should talk about the context of this letter it's pretty we're fairly sure um waterstones who are a fairly well-known um book store chain in the uk um tweeted this these three pictures of of this letter and um they gave a shout out to um harper collins uk in their um tweet and the impression that I think we all have is that these letters are on display in the HarperCollins offices um, in London, one presumes, and that this Waterstones representative took pictures of them and tweeted them. They've since deleted the tweet, um, although I have a copy of it on my Tumblr. Um, anyway, um, there is a redacted paragraph at the end of this letter, as though it is so full of spoilers that they couldn't reveal it. And mm. people in mm-hmm. fandom have taken it upon themselves to <laughs> of course they have <laughs> what is in this redacted paragraph because it's amazing. They have found oh my god, they have got it. They've got like the the last sentence is pretty much complete. Mm-hmm. Um I might throw the link in our Tumblr thing. I'm not going to oh. say it here. I don't feel like it's spoilers, but it might be spoilers, so I'm not going to say it on the podcast. Oh, this might so actually weird. be real spoilers. <laughs> I will put hey. the link I'll put the link to the Reddit well, we, thread. We got the disclaimer. You think so? We spoil <laughs> And who Wait, knows? Do you have it? You read the last sentence. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. I've got it. So from In the North? Yeah. In the North? Yeah. yeah. In the North, Jon Snow is his bitter enemy beyond the narrow sea. Daenerys Stormborn prepares her invasion, and on the far side of the wall, the others are watching with cold, dead eyes and gathering their strength. Yeah, it doesn't really tell us much. And the people who are doing the translation say that this is entirely fallible, but it sounds really, <laughs> sounds pretty real. It's pretty impressive what they've managed to do. There are, I think, three people working on it. I'm going to throw credit for them in the Tumblr post. So and that's, yeah. this was supposed to be going into the second book, too, at this point. Yeah, these are spoilers kind of for the rest of the series, kind of, but it's mostly about mm-hmm. the second book, which is... Yeah. 
from our point of view, it really hasn't happened yet. Although, no. things, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, Danny's going to invade Westeros. I mean, this isn't a surprise. It is a spoiler. <laughs> really? Because we- I was starting to doubt she was ever going to get there. Yeah, I really. <laughs> okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This this is a meaty, meaty, meaty podcast. I think, right. are we done with this stuff? I think we Never. killed it. Yeah, never. Do we have any thank yous? We do. We have a couple. Um, we have our first one from Useful Spinster, aka Valor Fairy. She says, between the weather and working long hours these past couple of months, you ladies have been, as always, a a bright spot in my week. It actually took me three days to listen to last week's podcast because of interruptions and meetings. Anyway, you all never fail to make me snicker at my desk and have my co-workers <laughs> looking at me weird. I really had to try to hold in with Eon's Australian accent this week. <laughs> up so much. Sorry. Sorry, she has Australian accent instead of the Nardo. Text, text Australian. <laughs> text Australian. <laughs> it's also been really lovely to hear Clotho these, these last couple of weeks with a great laugh. And Guile and Torg <laughs> And I'm loving the addition of Kama as a recurring guest or newer regular. She's a newer regular. Oh, and sandwiches. It's just a- yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and sandwiches. I love me some sandwiches. Me and too. everyone else that has been on, it's so nice to put voices with names. You've all done a great job filling in for each other. I hope Chicky has gotten all those sports bras sufficiently washed and is back in time for the arrival of Brienne. <laughs> Oh yeah, Lucky welcome guys. back. <laughs> Useful spinster. Chicky's in a sports bra right now. <laughs> Pick so it didn't happen. <laughs> Thank you, Useful We're spinster. having right now. We can see it. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we did get an iTunes review. Was uh, it from so- the UK? <laughs> no, it's actually from Texas. This is a Texas oh, review. Yeah. Oh. We got a Texas app. Who 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 was it that demanded the Texas reviews? I think it was I Eon. <laughs> she got one. Eon offered Texas. These Texans are easy. So <laughs> it's titled with love by Surrey Text 503 Flow. And they gave us five stars and they say you guys are awesome. I am writing from Texas. Yes, we do read, girl, and we love you over here. <laughs> Keep up Aww. the good work. See, we have a few. I, I just want to point <laughs> out that Eon was the one that said Texans don't read, not any of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just putting that out there. Good job, Eon. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you, Surrey Text 503 Flow. Yes, thank you thank so you, much. Thank we you. We love reviews, you guys. They're so I awesome. love America. Yes. And I love Texas. You keep us going. Keep us going. Um, they keep us listed on iTunes, which is nice. That's true. <laughs> we got a comment from Cheese. Um, it just says, Fab, now if only you can get someone to do transcripts so I can read them, smiley face. Seriously, <laughs> I tried the week sandwiches was on, and it felt like needles in my shoulders. Oh, that's I nice. Need- <laughs> <laughs> I need podcast closed captioning. I'm so happy you guys have kept that going. Uh, thank you, I think. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. 
All right. Um, our last review is another iTunes review. We got four stars. Our first four star rating, guys. Oh. Yeah. That, we that's very good. I believe. Believe. Lot stars. <laughs> oh. Oh. Is it from the UK? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's Summer from the US of A. And it's titled 13 Year Old Giggles by Venice Hyatt. And it says, for a long time, I felt alone in shipping Jamie and Brienne. Jamie is misspelled here. Um, it's J-A-M-I-E. <laughs> Who's that? Hey, these things happen. Um, these things happen. <laughs> okay, it feels good to find like-minded people. At least one person sees an important point that I see as well. Please try to cut down on the 13-year-old virgin-style giggling. Never! Your quips are so funny. <laughs> Open your mouth and give a full ha-ha-ha laugh. No. Like listening to Nails on a Chalkboard while trying to enjoy my favorite. <laughs> to Nails on a Chalkboard? Is this from Cheese? Exists. Is this I think Cheese this, too? I think this has got to be oh, Cheese. <laughs> I'm smelling cheddar oh, and brie and... <laughs> Parmesan. Come on. We we need to practice our laughing, guys. Let's do this. Let's do this, okay? No, Chicky, you're still giggling. Oh, sorry. I only giggled. <laughs> okay, okay, um, thank you for that review. Thank Again, you. I think. <laughs> Sorry, thanks. Thank you. Th- thank you? Question <laughs> mark. I like that. You can really hear the question mark. All right, well, that's the end of that. If you still would ever want to send us um, a message after all of that, you can <laughs> at close the door and at gmail.com. Um, you can find us at tumblr close the door and come here dot tumblr dot com um twitter door podcast is that right at door podcast yes at door podcast outdoor podcast and that's not what we're saying we're saying at sign door podcast right it's not it's not back door podcast oh my god <laughs> no, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna so look up backdoor podcast after this. <laughs> okay. Oh god. Uh, fun podcast. Uh, let's say goodnight. Uh, thank you, panel. Thank you, Gatto, for guesting. Thank you, guys. I'm gonna the Hey, thanks for coming. Alright, have a good one. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Till next time. Bye bye.